Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Body and the Beast podcast. Coming straight into your ears for the next few hours are your awesome hosts, Dan Meredith and Jamie Alderton. Howdy folks and welcome to another episode of The Body and the Beast. I am your body, Jamie Alderton. And I am your beast, Dan Meredith. Mr. Meredith, how are you? And how was your birthday, by the way? It was fucking delightful. So for... What did, what did you get up to? Well, allow me to educate you, Mr. Jamie. Um, hear me out, first of all. So, I happily, happily give. Love to give, love to put out content, love to help others. There's one day a year where I do like to be made to feel a little bit special. And that's on my birthday. And I was, massively. But some years ago, I decided I was going to have a week for my birthday. And my mentor said, you're a grown man. What man needs a week for his birthday? And I went, I do. And he turned it as princess week. And I was treated like the luckiest girl in the world, Jamie. I have had bar trips, hotels, cakes, I think two, yeah, two tasting menus. I'm a little tasting menu slut. Absolutely love them. I've had treats. I've had chocolates. I've had workouts. I've had, honestly, mate, it has been the best. So for any of you listening, I recommend you have a week for your birthday. It's fucking great fun. I've had a blast. I did all my favorite things, had all my favorite things, enjoyed all my favorite things, was a wonderful slash terrible human being in a variety of different ways it was fucking delightful thank you for asking that's good to hear and uh nothing to do of course as usual with our topic of conversation with this podcast but i i think this is a very important subject and it might not make sense at first but as I rabbit on a lot more about it, it hopefully will do. And, and what I want to talk about is time under tension, Mr. Meredith. Mm. I'm going to pretend <laughs> I don't know what that is, Jamie. What is time <laughs> under tension? So for those of you who um, have ever gone to the gym, time under tension is the time under the resistance of the weights in which your muscles are, um, you know, lengthening shortening um i was going to say uh, eccentrically loaded concentrically loaded and Nerd. isometrically loaded <laughs> <laughs> and in order to build stronger muscles one of the things that you need to focus on is that time under tension and i kind of thought about this after actually coming off stage in barcelona and one of the reasons being is i came off the stage and thought I, I never felt so more so relaxed, so confident on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that? And it's like, because for the last 10 years, you've been under a lot of tension by doing your own events, uh, jumping on stage, doing speaking gigs, and you've put a lot of time into this. And anything that you want to get good at um, that is going to significantly impact your life is going to be tough, which is why you're going to get paid handsomely for doing it. But in order to get good at it, you need to spend that time under tension. If you want to get better at podcasts, you you best start looking forward to producing 100 episodes before you even think about having a strategy for it. 
if mm-hmm. you want to get good at talking on video, you best get ready to do it for the next three to five years before you even think of actually getting paid uh, to do it. If you want to write a best-selling book, you better get used to spending the next decade writing every single day and getting next to no views or interactions or even anybody seeing your work. If you want to be successful in anything, you've got to be thinking about that tension, that resistance, that not wanting to do it and do it anyway in order to succeed. So with this episode, then what I'd like to do is kind of flip it over to you and talk a little bit about some of the things which have involved a lot of tension over the years, but you're glad that you stuck with them. You rolled your eyes doing it because it didn't click. And then all of a sudden it came a lot easier. Well, I'll tell you one from which I look back now and I am so grateful that I have that as my past experience. And also, should I ever need it, it's in the toolkit. I don't necessarily want to do it, but I know it's there. So when I, so real quick backstory, um, I was supposed to be an engineer. So I was supposed to be going to Loughborough Uni to do aerospace engineering. That's what I was doing. Not because I was sporty, but I was uh, quite good. I had double maths, physics, and design technology. Um, what I loved engineering, what to be an engineer, five-year course at Loughborough. Um, my sister wasn't too well at the time. Money was a little bit tight. So obviously, you know, going to uni would have cost. Um, I didn't think it was the right time. And I just said I was going to go into work. So I said, I'll work. I'll bring some money into the house. I'll contribute. Uh, Mum and dad didn't ask me to. It was just something I chose chose to do. So anyway, I got a job as something called a resourcer, which is basically like the bottom of the rung in a recruitment company. And this was in 1999. And I had to do, if I remember correctly, it was a minimum of 100 calls a day. So literally, you know, basically pitching to kind of pick up jobs. And I think I had to pull about 50 jobs a week. So I had to get 50 jobs. So I had to I had to work. And I literally did call after call after call, day after day. There was not a single part of my day that I looked forward to, apart from lunch. That was it. It was lunchtime and when I finished. So I knew it was just hard work. And getting told no or hung up on or ignored over and over again can, can make or break you. So, but what it also did is it got me a very fucking resilient, very quick, because if I didn't, I mean, it was hot, it was cutthroat. If you didn't hit your target one week, you were put on a warning, didn't hit it two weeks, you're out. It was proper brutal, um, old school sales and marketing. But so as well as teaching me resilience, it taught me to get really fucking good communicating. And I got to the point where... I ended up, there were 6,000 consultants, and by my eighth month, I was second only to a managing director who still had like long-term key accounts, and literally, I was literally the top, top consultant across the whole business, right? But because I put that time in, literally, it was call after call, conversation after conversation, refining what worked, refining my pitch, getting better at pitching, getting better at reading people through the phone, which is why even to this day, and thank you to those of you that actually reached out about the coaching. That was very sweet. I do all my calls audio. 
So I'm not, you know, I mean, we, we record this with a video, um, but I, I'm an audio person because I spent, I don't even know, several years at the end of the phone listening and I can pick up better tone, tonality, pitch, and it's better for me to focus on that because that's what I spent, you know, nearly a decade doing on and off. And I got really, really fucking good at it. So, but without all of those years of picking up the phone, calling, and learning how to effectively communicate with and persuade someone to talk to me and then persuade that person to, and then persuade them to work with me and then persuade them to give me money for my services. That to me is the best one I have from my life. So so from a time under tension perspective, the sheer volume of calls and amount of conversation got me really fucking good quickly. It's what you said there. And it was actually it's actually one of my last week's newsletter and it's seeking rejection. Mm. And one of the things that people are very bad at is asking for things that they want mm. because they don't want to seem a bother. They don't want to seem awkward. And that is limiting you from getting the things that you want in life. You know, we all know this quote, don't ask, don't get, but how often do you ask for things? And I'm just as bad as anybody with this, um, Tim Ferriss has got a great kind of, uh, mental challenge for you to get over this. And it's just going into coffee shops. And whenever you go into a coffee shop, ask for 10% discount. Um, cause two things will happen. One, you'll get the 10% discount in which case great or two, you won't get it and you're paying for it no matter what, but you're also getting the lesson of going, do you know what? I didn't die. <laughs> didn't die i asked for something didn't get it and that's absolutely fine you know if you are single a great challenge to you is go and ask uh, you know stick 10 pennies in your pocket and ask 10 people out for dinner or go out for a drink and actually the whole point is is getting used to being rejected and what's the pennies in your pocket thing what'd you do with the pennies sorry i I was intrigued by that so I, um, it's, it's a great experiment because if you have 10 pennies in your pocket, each time you do it, you move one penny to the other pocket. So then you know oh, how many times you've done cool. it. That's quite cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great thing because if you're walking about all day and you have jeans on, maybe it doesn't work well with loose pockets, mm-hmm. but it's just this reminder when you That's tap great. your pockets to go, oh, fuck, I still, I've got a thing that I need to do because you've got those in your pocket. And, and it's, once again, it's a mental game because once you've done it, you go, you, you see the progress because then you move physically the penny over. So you're like, From cool, to the other. I need to do it. So, and it's, and it really, really helps with any kind of challenge that you're doing. It doesn't have can to I be do- asking people out for a date. It can be whatever it is that you're challenging yourself to do 10 times a day. I gave someone, I remember this is, you know, this is quite useful for any of you who are listening, you know, to hear for helping your business stuff. So a couple of things I used to do both in person online work like gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, there was, we were obviously, me and Jay, you know, both have a background in the fitness industry. Mine was more in gym PT, whereas Jay's obviously, you know, Mr. Jay, uh, famous pants model as he was and all round handsome, influential individual. Oh, I know there's more to that, being silly. But um, one of the things that I targeted myself and I would, I was really good at growing out of base and I was a very good personal trainer. You know, I did lots of qualifications. You know, I knew my stuff, but I set myself a little goal and I would say, I would not leave that gym floor until I'd had 20 conversations per day. And even if I was tired and it was nine o'clock and I had three more to go, I'd find three people to talk to. And I started off, I think for the first month, I set myself 20 a day, 
then it was 10 a day and then it was five. And I, I literally was full within six weeks. Okay. And I spoke to a young lad at a gym that I go to and I said that to him. He said like, what, cause he said, I could talk to people on shift. And he said, well, what if I get to the end of my shift and I've, I've spoken to seven and I still got three more to do. And I was like, guess who's staying after work? you and I said this to him and I said look you want to be successful or not he said yeah I do and then he he sent me a message on Instagram maybe four weeks later and he's like I'm full this is a guy who literally couldn't get one and I just started doing it and I say the same people online you want more clients you want more leads you want more things focus on having more conversations and I said to people I said if you had if you started your day having 10 conversations a day with people so people who like your posts interact with your posts follow you just a conversation not hey would you like to get on a fucking call and i think fucking spam me like that but have a genuine conversation thank you for following me appreciate you liking my post thanks for your comment there how are things going for you right now if you just do that every fucking day it's not sexy because it involves hard work you have to have conversations and then talk to people but that is a surefire way to get your business off the ground that's all I did when I started. I had four 30-minute slots a day where I would leave meaningful comments and interact with people as well as posting. And I did that seven days a week. That was it. Conversations equals conversions. Not just conversions yeah. for leads, conversions for dates, conversions for um, discounts, conversions for anything. And it all mm. starts by asking. It all starts by having and sparking that conversation. And it's just understanding... You know, I spoke about this all the time when it comes to people being nervous when they go into the gym, understanding the spotlight effect. You think everybody's staring at you, but just by knowing that, you've got to understand that everyone thinks that you're staring at them. So everyone thinks everyone else is staring at each other, which means everyone thinks that the world revolves around them. It's it this Truman show. You know, everyone thinks that they're like Jim Carrey in that film where they're just being having the entire world watch them on TV and they're not. And if you know that, which it is true, and of course, if you've ever thought that everyone's staring at you, you'll know that this is true. You can break that pattern by treating people like the world revolves around them. And this is a massive hack. But when you genuinely care about the interest of other people, what they're up to, how they're feeling, what they're doing, what they're struggling with, guess what? that is your in with that person because nobody asks other people how they are, what they're up to, what their dreams are, what their goals are, what their focus is and just listen because a lot of people listen to respond instead of listen to understand. One of my favorite things is asking people, like actually asking people what they do for fun. So, you know, the old cheesy thing you meet people at like dinner parties, things, you know, what do you do for a living? Um, I, one of my favorite lines is, you know, what makes you happy? What do you do outside of work? What do you do that brings you joy? Those sort of questions. And you, you people open up about things. I've learned so many fascinating things about people over the years. People, they can talk wax lyrical about these random hobbies and things they love. And they're so passionate about it. And then you end up really connecting with that person. And because they actually find for the first time, someone's listened to them. Someone's taken an interest in what they're doing, what they're, what they're happy, what makes them happy, their hobbies, so on and so forth. But key thing on that one is you've got to be genuinely interested. I, as I said on the previous podcast, the whole being curious thing, like I, I am curious about humans. I love to know how people tick. Like I want to get to know people. I'm interested in their story and their journey and the things they do. People will spot you a mile off if you're faking this. Dead so, yes, just as a little tip on that one. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I very think totally off topic. We'll get back to time and attention, but I've yes, just got we've done, we've done our usual thing. 
you know, I was saying my, you know, my love for virtual table tennis for the last week I downloaded, uh, I I now have a weird, it's like even, it's gone even weirder, Dan. It's even stranger. It's, um, putting on my VR headset and walking around a haunted house. <laughs> and most people, uh, mate, I, I, I don't know. Right? Cause it basically is a paranormal activity game where the house is, um, possessed and you've got to go around and find the clues and round the house. There's, um, possessed people. Uh, they jump out of nowhere, doors rattle and you're trying to solve the, cl- uh, the clues. There's, a heart beating in your head. There's noises everywhere. It's a pitch black house. And, and most people say it like, most people say, I couldn't even spend 10 seconds with that headset on. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I just love it. I'm like, I'm in this weird house trying to find these open rooms and these little kids creeping, like crawling around with blood on them and that. And I'm just like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> what is You're wrong? a very, very special young boy, Jamie. I, I know. And it's just a for, it's an exciting form of uh, escapism. Uh, but getting back to time and attention, as I said, as you said, there's a great one with seeking rejection and, you know, repetition and things that people feel uncomfortable doing, which is that time and attention. And for me, um, it, has always been getting good at talking on video. I remember the first mm. video that I uh, filmed in 2010, getting ready for my first bodybuilding show. And every single word that came out of my mouth was, um, um, uh, um, very, very wooden. Yeah. And I remember fast forward to 2015 when I decided, okay, cool. I, um, I have, you know, my business is doing well. I need to get an employee. Now, most people, when they first employ someone, they employ an assistant, a you know, some you know, a manager or someone who does all the emails or something, you know, personal assistant. Mine was a videographer, and the reason being is because I've started to see the change on social media and video, and I was like, mm-hmm. I need to get really, really good at this. And the only way that I'm going to get good at this is time under tension. Now, it's very easy to just skip doing video because a lot of people have to put a tripod up. They have to put this up. And, you know, luckily, as you see, um, you might not see if you're listening to this, but all I do is need to plug all of this into my computer and I have studio quality video. So, I have a camera in my studio pointed at me 24 hours a day whenever, you know, whenever I'm in here. But the difference is, is that you're paying someone a full-time salary who has to knock on your door nine till four, Monday to Friday with a camera. And you have to film. Why would Mm -hmm. you be, why would you be given that person a full-time salary? And you're most certainly going to not have them sit there and twiddle their thumb. So we had mm-hmm. to film stuff. So I started filming vlogs. I started filming videos. And year after year after year, I started to get better on video. I started to feel more relaxed. I have never, ever, in the last goodness knows how many years, ever felt nervous having a camera stuck in front of me because it's something that I used to have six to eight hours a day. And even to this day, I must have a camera in my face on talking or interacting at least two hours a day. Pretty yeah, much time five under tension, same as I would say sort of time served. Like everything you start 
I mean, you might have a natural gift or an aptitude. You might be naturally good at writing or you might be, you know, relatively confident. So you're comfortable being on camera or, or stages or whatever. You know, I was pretty okay because I think with my corporate job, I got quite confident with that. I got good at presenting myself and pitching myself. But I, my first ever event was like eight people in a room in Portishead. That was it. And it was, you know, I had to have all my notes with me and everything. I ended up doing a presentation last minute for someone uh, asked to step in Um sort of friend of a friend came in literally one hour freestyle like literally I think I put 10 slides up with some bullet points just to sort of like as placeholders for other people and for sort of me as well to guide the conversation an hour straight content you know me and Jay do these podcasts now I used to have to come on with notes and bullet points and all sorts of things many many years ago now we come up with the topic a few key things want to go bang off we go the more you do something you better get it and much like I said in my birthday one the time, you know, you know, things, good things do take time and you do have to put the hours in to get good at stuff. You know, I didn't just write a best-selling book off the bat. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words and posted four times a day, every day and wrote a fuck ton. And then I spent time building a community, curating a community, getting emotionally involved with that community. All of it involved time. And I say this to people who, you know, some people ask us, you know, I want to do what you do, I want to achieve that. It's like, it does take time to get there. And the fact is, if you try and shortcut this, much like you said, those people have those spikes in success, what happens is you're often building a house of cards without a stable foundation. And you haven't done that groundwork to give you the confidence, the ability to be able to go on to the eponymous next level. But that, you know, you don't want to shortcut that bit. And the more time under tension you have, the more time served you have in a particular space, the easier and better things are. And people will look at you and think that looks easy. Well, it looks easy because you've done it for so fucking long. You could literally pull me, me and Jet, you could drag me and Jay off the street, stick us on stage and say, right, I want you to talk about business and mindset for the next hour. You two go. And we would have yeah. absolutely no problems doing it. But we've been doing it for 10 years. So it's easy. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at, for example, writers, if I, if I think of, just because it's on my desk now, James Clear, 2017, wrote Atomic Habits, and that's just, he just sold 10 million copies of that. But he, he did a blog post pretty much every day for five days a week for eight years before he even considered writing that book. Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I think his blog, he'd written 10,000 art, 10,000, 10,000. That's just bonkers. Um, blog posts before he'd even put one, you know, one letter in that book. Mm. And it's that, it's just understanding that time under tension. And a lot of people stop things because they're uncomfortable and nothing should I think it worries me. Like if I'm going on stage and I don't feel a little bit nervous, a little bit apprehensive and short in breath, I, that worries me because it shows that, that I'm under, because I'm underprepared. Right. And you know, there are certain situations like if it's my own event and I feel a lot more relaxed, but I also prepare a lot for my mm. events but when it comes to speaking at other people's events i want to do a good job so it's less about actually speaking on stage it's more about wanting to bring a bring massive amount of value of to that yeah so especially especially for a paid gig you know when you get paid you know some of the things i've been paid for for, for talks you want to make sure it's bloody you, you do a good job mm -hmm. um and it's because you care about these things but 
you know, the, the reason I'm able to get paid for those things now is because I've spent the best part of eight or nine years, um, getting uncomfortable. As you said, your first, uh, your first talk was eight people. My first talk, um, was 80 and that's not a good thing because it's so much easier to have. Yeah. it's, It's so much easier to have a smaller talk and build yourself up. But I was just thrown in the deep end. I did a, uh, comp prep seminar off the back of one of my world um, championships and expecting like 20 people. Yeah, you know, I've been happy. And then 80 people signed up. And I threw up twice in the toilet before even speaking. I murmured the first five minutes and then it was okay. And, I, and once again, when I do that, it's a realization that I need to get better at this. You know, firstly, yeah. it's super powerful to be able to speak in front of people. Um, and you know, I do not want to be feeling, uh, like this again. And the only way that I can stop feeling like this again is two things. I can either take action on this thing and expose myself more, or I can avoid it and never do it again. And I think most people's options for anything that is uncomfortable is to never do it again. But once again, you haven't done the time under tension. You know, you're not going to build a impressive physique by skipping the gym and you're not going to build, um, something that's going to have a incredible impact on your life and success if you avoid those uncomfortable things which so many people do and also that hard work and time under tensions makes things easier like i'll use a current case in point and another one so uh talking to jay beforehand you know again many of you listening are going to be in phenomenal shape but at 43 i'm the same weight and have more muscle and i'm leaner full six-pack which i've not had since my 20s from my fight, which obviously didn't go to plan, um, some weeks ago, I'm the leanest and healthiest and fittest I've been and in the best shape physically I've been. And I was talking to one of my coaches about this and I said, you know what, once you've done the horrific hard work and you've got to where you want to need to be, it is so much easier to maintain. And you don't need anywhere near the amount of volume or effort you need to do to maintain that level of achievement, which is something I've never experienced before. This is all new to me because I'm doing it. But it's the same with my business as well. I do these things called turbo calls. Loads of people have copied me now. It's just these, are, basically, it's a 15-minute kind of rapid. You've got 60 seconds to, two, to, to 120 seconds to tell me your problem. Then I've got 10 minutes to basically discuss that with you, diagnose it, and then I give you a prescription at the end. Now you think, what can you do with a 15 minute call? I can do a lot. Do you know why I can do a lot? Because I've been coaching for the best part of eight, nine years now, from start up to nine figure plus, and I've done close to 4,000 calls with different people over those years. There's not anything really I haven't dealt with. So I don't need an hour with someone, I can often get to the crux of the problems and give an answer in a few minutes. My mentor is a multi, multi millionaire slash billionaire. Okay. I might get five minutes, five minutes, but there's again, similar kind of thing. There's nothing he hasn't dealt with at a level far bigger than me. And he can go that, that don't be that. And I'm like, okay, done. That's it. As you get better at this stuff and you have more time under tension, it actually involves less effort because you know, the answers It's that whole, you know, you're paying, for the hours that people have put in, for example, rather than necessarily the time itself as well. So those of you who are like freelance or have your own business, don't undervalue yourself and all that work and effort and education and training you put in. Like sometimes, you know, you, you 
people do undervalue themselves and it's not you know if you hire someone for an hour to do something you know it's not just that hour it's all the experience to be able to do that job in that period of time does that make sense yeah i mean it comes back to what i was saying in one of our previous episodes about increasing your frame rate you know mm. some a person might need an hour to diagnose the problem but when you're really good you that hour can be condensed into 15 minutes because you're mm-hmm. just so much better at understanding and interpreting the information in the same given amount of time. So you need a quarter of the time that somebody will need. And it's the same, uh, I don't know why it came to me, but there's a guy called Chris Doe and he charges ridiculous amounts for a logo design. He charges like fifteen to $20,000 starting. Wow. And um, one of the things that he was talking about is that you know, I can I can create you a logo for twenty thousand dollars in an hour, um, and he's like, "Well, you know, I don't think that you've put enough effort in to do that." Um, you know, and surely it would take a few days. And he was like, "Well, hang on a minute, I'm really good at my job, mm. so now you're penalizing me for being good because if I can get you what you want in an Quickly. hour, then that's probably worth more than." having to wait three days for it. So sometimes, you know, it's really valuing your work. And I remember speaking to somebody who wanted to book a call with me and I don't normally do it because, you know, once again, I, I it's not just the hour call, it's the preparation for it. It's making sure that it's valuable. It's, you know, giving myself, you know, giving them the most amount of time within that um, space, but it's not cheap. And I remember somebody turned around to me and so how can you, you know, kind of how can you charge that much for an, for an hour call? And I was just like, it's not about the hour in the, you know, it's not about the hour call. It's what you get from the hour call. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's so and important. And the ripple effect off the back of it as well. Oh, it's, the, it's the value that you give. You know, if even if it was a, like you said, a 15-minute call to point you in the right direction, what that enables you to do is not go down other paths. So it doesn't matter how much call that, call is if it was a call that cost you a thousand pound for an hour but it put you in the direction that makes you ten thousand pound an hour that's a worthwhile call and a lot of people mix up price and value Mm. and that's a that's a massive massive thing um that people look too much at at the price of something rather than what they're going to get out of that thing you know i'll always spend ridiculous sums of money on laptops and phones because they make my life easier. Mm-hmm. They enable me to do the thing which I do full time a lot more quickly, a lot more efficiently, a lot more professionally. So it doesn't matter the price in those because the value that I get from it, it will always be 50 to 100 times the return on that investment and if you just had this mindset about that that would completely completely change your life and do you know what, I like going, to, sorry go on no no continue man no so i was going back to time under tension and that it's you know it's a little bit off what we were speaking about but it's kind of on of going look things in your life that are going to change it are uncomfortable and you've got to be really measuring that uncomfortable time because anything physiologically or psychologically uh, uncomfortable does become a lot more comfortable over time. And when it does start to get there, um, you will really start to 
go leaps and bounds mm. above anybody else and into what it is that you want to do with your life. Yeah. And I just wanted to segue into something. So this is sort of my sort of closing bit from my world and what I advise people and what I, I do myself as well. Um, you can shortcut things to a degree with more time put in. So if you have more time to invest and do, then obviously you can get there quicker. But the best advice I give to people is think about that thing that they really want. So is it a better business? Is it want to be a better writer? Is it want a better body? Is it want to be better relationship or more connected with your kid? It doesn't matter. Whatever that thing is, right? And you make that a one hour a day, non-negotiable. Ideally, at the start of your day. Okay. Reason being is just human nature, it, unless you're really good with your discipline. And if you are, fucking hats off to you. But often, as you put things later in the day, it gets quite easier to bump it off. I'll do it tomorrow, priority shift and stuff. But when I want to get something off the ground or improve something, I make that the first thing of the day. When I started boxing and started on my fit, it was the first part of the day. I literally woke up, got my shit together, trained. I hate training in the morning. I fucking don't enjoy it. But I knew if I was to bump it later in the day, work would get in the way. I'd probably come up with excuses. As it gets sunnier, you want to get and play. So I know if I just did it first thing, I improved it. And I always say to people, like, for example, I've just had a, a six-month period where fitness and health was my focus. Now I'm on business. So the first two hours, again, I have a little more time. First two hours of my day is purely business. You, The only people, there's literally four people who can get hold of me via my phone. I have the various focus modes on. My laptop has every notification off. I've, my office is a fucking wall. I face a wall. I have no distractions, noise count. And I sit down and I fucking work. And that's it. Now, yes, I have more time. Very fortunate I have more freedom than I did when I first started. But even when I was starting off a bit, I always did that. I had, I had two two-hour blocks back in the day where I do that. But if you want more time under tension, make it a priority and just focus on the one main thing. You want to get a better writer? Write for an hour every day. Want to get fitter? Focus on your fitness every day. Want to be better with your kids, partner? Focus on an hour with them every day. Whatever it is you need to do, that just one hour a day, but seven days a week. You make it a non-negotiable and ideally, if you can, at the start of your day. But if not, it goes in your diary and you don't book anything over it. It's just a thing you do because that cumulative effect, honestly... You won't know it until you get there, but it builds up so massively. A lot of people do. I've done this myself, trying to do burst of effort, loads of fucking crazy hard work, really push myself, burn out, have a bad day, get an injury, head's not there, and then I go, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to do it again. But that one hour a day kind of consistent, steady effort will change your life. Not necessarily immediately, but that cumulative build-up effect is massive, and people really don't value it a lot of the times until they've done it. Yeah, 100%. And goes back to that bamboo analogy. You know, you've got to walk walk that seed every single day if you want it to build that foundation and for it to grow. So those gents, time under tension. Think about the uncomfortable things that you are potentially not doing or not doing enough of. Make sure that you prioritize them, put them in your diary, make them non-negotiables, and most importantly, be patient and persistent. Because if you give yourself uh, enough time under that tension, those uncomfortable things will change your life. Ladies and gents, last episode, I asked you to tap on the milkman's shoulder and just shout at them, body and the beast. And I'm going to pass over to my good friend, Mr. Meredith, to give you his recommendation for spreading the word of the body and the beast podcast this week. Oh, 
you little minx. You threw it back to me, didn't you, Jamie Alderson? Always, not like always. It's a nice, simple one. Look, if you don't... So me and Jay, uh, we every Friday is when we post this. So if you follow Jamie or you follow myself, we always post this on our Instagram story. So I've got a little simple social media one today. When you see us, share it. Just share it yourself with your own people. That's all I'd ask. If you liked what we've done, just literally when you see it, add it to your own story. Let people know. We would be beyond grateful. So it's a sensible one this week. But those little things, honestly, it's these little things. It's like I said, it's the same reason, like Jay mentioned at the start. When we started Body and the Beast up again, we said we're not going to do it unless we can do a minimum of two years. Now, we did it in person to start off with, and then we found this great solution we have now. But we had to make sure, without fail, we showed up every week. No excuses for two years. But it's all these lit, it's this cumulative effect that's going to get this podcast to where, you know, it was in the past. And it's already getting there. But you sharing that, you sharing it with your people, you letting people know, really, really helps us out along with things like reviews. And also, you can message us. We are not faceless automatons. We read our inboxes. Jay's obviously inbox is a little bit more wild than mine. But you can say hello. You can ask us questions. You can work with us. You can inquire you can say hi you can tell us to go fuck ourselves whatever you want to do that's that i'd rather you didn't do the last one if i'm honest but if you want to go ahead go fuck yourself (laughs) cheers bro (laughs) thank you ever so much for tuning in to another episode of the body and the beast as always i have been your body jamie willetum and i've been your beast dan meredith take care